Heather, Dove Heather, and I'm here at home. So welcome to you all. Um, we're excited to have tonight Dove Heller. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Beverly Hills, and he has a private practice. Um, he's also a psychotherapist and dating and relationship coach, and we're really, really fortunate to have him speak to our group tonight. Um, we're also going to ask him any questions you want after um, the talk. There'll be some time for questions and answers, as well as the answers that you submitted earlier. Um, so I think we're ready to start. Hello, everybody. Hi, I, I am Rabbi Dove Heller, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I want to thank the Rabbi and the Rebbitson for inviting me and uh, giving me this opportunity to share uh, some important stuff about an important topic of moving forward after, after a breakup. Um, you know, I, I was talking to the rabbi. I had all sorts of great ideas for an introduction. Um, as you can see, I'm uh, probably a little bit older than uh, most of you, a good deal older. And um, I was thinking of some great oldies that we could, we could, I had a whole list that I wanted to play to, to introduce the topic of breaking up, like, you know, Neil Sedaka, you know, anybody, you guys got to have some, some of you have to have some taste in the good, the good oldies of rock and roll. You know, they say that breaking up is hard to do. Yeah, all these goodies. So I was going to have a whole list of them, but uh, the rabbi said no. So you got you got me to do a little singing, maybe. Anyway, so seven ways to move forward after a break, uh, after a breakup. Now, it's um, if we have time, it's it's really a two part. There's a two part uh, talk tonight. Um, the seven ways are the practical practical suggestions. You know, if you've really you know, been in a relationship, it didn't work out, and, and you're really trying to move forward. I'm going to go through those ideas um, fairly, fairly quickly. And then the second part, again, we'll see how you guys do with the first part and what, how, much, how much time we have in the questions, and maybe we can do the second part another time. The second part is, is if you go through these seven ways that I'm suggesting of what you need to do uh, in order to help yourself move forward, what happens if they don't work? Now, some people get stuck. They get, just get stuck. And I think the ideas I'm going to share with you are, are really good and really give you a, a good basis for moving forward. Um, but some people can't move forward, and that's a whole other conversation. So we'll, we'll see if we uh, can have time to talk about that a little bit as well. Okay, so everybody has the, the outline, I suppose. Uh, the Rebitson sent it out to you. Uh, Yes, everybody's got it, Rebitson? Yeah, I just sent it uh, you know, a few minutes ago to everyone's email, so check your inboxes. Okay, hopefully everyone got it. Some people said they got it, so I'm sure everyone... Because I'm going to be reading um, uh, from that outline. We're just going to go through the outline together, okay? Uh, should we... I just want to clarify. Am I, am I taking questions as I go along, or we're going to wait till the end of the presentation? Rabbi, I think, uh, what does Rabbi Jack suggest? He's, is he next to you? Yeah. Uh, yes, he's right here. Yeah, as we go along, anyone who wants to feel... Yeah, if there's something you want to clarify, uh, please uh, feel free to, uh, to, to jump in, okay? All right, let's go. So on the outline, the first, the first step, the first way of, of moving forward is you have to get closure. 
You've got to have closure. So what does it mean to have closure? Again, if you follow along with me on the outline, um, closure means you know it's over. You know it's over. You have no doubts. It's done. Um, and you know why it's done or uh, uh, hopefully. Unfortunately, some people have a hard time getting closure because they don't believe it's over. <laughs> they don't believe it's done. And, uh, and that's really important. If you're feeling like, I don't have closure, then you have to understand why you don't have closure. What is it that you're needing? Sometimes, and I've had this conversation with people I've worked with, sometimes the, the issue is, is that sometimes it's a mutual breakup, and often it's not a mutual breakup. Um, often it's one person really making the decision. When that happens, sometimes the person who is doing the breaking up does it in a way that's, you know, they don't want to hurt the other person, so they're, they're trying to be nice. But what they do is they're a little uh, ambiguous about it, and, and, and to, the, uh, to the ears of the other person who's, who's getting, uh, you know, getting the, uh, getting the hook, uh, he or she hears it as, oh, did she really mean that we're done? It's, I sort of feel like there might be some opportunity. So when, that can happen. And if you're in that position where you're not sure if the other person really is done, you're, you're thinking to yourself, maybe, maybe they really didn't mean it or because of the way they said it, it you know, the way the conversation went, I didn't really get a strong a feeling that they were really meant that we're really done. So if that's the case, the only, the only option is to ask the person. The person who did the breaking up, you have to go to them and ask them. Uh, now, you definitely don't want to talk to them on the phone, and you definitely don't want to see them in person. That's just going to stir up a lot of feelings. Not good. If you really are not sure if, if it's really over, you send them a text, you send them an email, straight to the point, and you say, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure that we're, we're done. Are, are we really done? And you need to get an answer, a straight answer. Okay, well, so if you have a straight answer, the person says, yeah, I'm moving on, um, I'm finished. Okay, now you have closure uh, on one level. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, well, let me add one other point here to number one, is uh, sometimes people hold on to, even though they got a clear message that it's over, in their mind, they still have a little hope. They're still holding on to something that they believe um, there's, some, there's, some, there's still a possibility. They still have a little bit of hope. So if you're in that situation and you you're, can't quite let go and you're thinking, gosh, you know, can't be, you know, and you have this hope, then you have to identify why you're hopeful. And if you really think you want another chance, again, you, ha you can go and ask the person and say, I really want another chance. Because, and here's the reasons why, and here's my game plan for, for doing it a second time. Um, but uh, make sure you're clear and you really have something concrete to present to the other person. Okay, that's number one, getting closure. Number two, so follow me on the outline here. You have to mourn the loss. Now, this is getting emotional closure. You know, you can, you can hear it's over. You can be done. You can stop talking to each other. 
But emotionally, you really aren't really finished. You're, 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 your mind says, okay, but your heart says, uh-uh. My heart just is not letting go yet. And, and, there are, and therefore, you have to, usually, many people have to go through these sort of emotional stages to, to feel a sense of, of emotional closure. And I have them listed here on the outline. These are, are well-known stages in mourning a loss. They are, and, and these are quite typical of people who are trying to deal with a significant loss. They come from the field of psychology, particularly in terms of mourning the death of somebody, but they're, they're valuable and useful uh, in, in any sort of a situation where there's some loss. So they are denial. People tend to go through denial. It can't be true. I refuse to believe it's true. I won't, I won't believe it's true. And they, and they just fight, fight, fight in their minds. It's not true. That's denial. Um, anger, pretty common reaction. And, these are, these, and you shouldn't be surprised if you have these feelings. These are stages that are very common to experience when you go through a breakup. First denial, then anger. I can't believe he did this. I, you know, everything was going so well. It was so out of the blue. I'm so angry at that guy. How could, how could he do that to me? He didn't give, me a, didn't give us a chance. All the things that go along with anger. Bargaining is uh, the third stage of mourning. Bargaining is that, that obsession with reliving the relationship, <laughs> going back over it and thinking to yourself, why this? Well, I remember that, and boy, you know, maybe if we would have done it this way, if that would have happened, if, if, that, if his mother didn't say what she said at the time she said it, that maybe this could have worked, and you keep going around and around in your mind sort of bargaining with yourself because you're trying to look for some way to keep the relationship alive, um, and you're looking for reasons uh, and opportunities to keep it alive. So that's bargaining. Some people can get really stuck in bargaining. They just can't accept it. They just can't. Um, they just can't come to terms with it, and, and they're just just going around obsessing in their minds about uh, ways that they can still hold on to the person and without letting go. All right. The fourth stage of mourning is depression. Very obvious because any loss that we have in life is accompanied by sadness and that can lead to depression. Uh, the sense of loss um, leads to depression. So a really common feeling. And ultimately, when you go through these four stages, then you hopefully will end up at acceptance. Um, you want to be able to get to a point where you say, okay, uh, it's done. Um, I just got to, I got to move on. Now, these, these, these four or these five step stages of mourning are not linear. You, you, you can go to depressed, then go back to denial, you can go to bargaining, uh, you can have a little acceptance, and then you'll flip back um, into anger. Uh, you know, you, they can, they can uh, be cyclical. Um, but eventually, you want to get through all these feelings. And when you do, you can reach a point of being really finished on an emotional, le emotional level. Another important part of mourning the loss is to really look at what you've lost, to really take a look at all of the, all of the needs that were being met that are no longer met, uh, the, the, the pain you're having over not having this person in your life, and really articulate to yourself what were the good things you lost, 
but also be very honest with yourself and identify also the unhealthy needs, perhaps, that we're getting met. Um, some people uh, find that the, a major need uh, that was being met in a relationship uh, in an unhealthy way is uh, they, the other person was building up their self-esteem. They, you know, they were you know, giving them a, a lift, making them feel like somebody. Now, of course, every relationship, any good relationship, has, has that aspect to it where both people are supportive, encouraging. But if, people, if a person has a, a self-esteem problem, then they can depend on the other person to build them up and to make them feel good. This is what uh, can become what's commonly called a, a type of a codependent type of relationship. And, and you want to try to be very, very honest, uh, again, if, there, if there's any unhealthy needs that were being met or any sort of codependent aspects to the relationship. Okay, um, so the next point on the outline is you have to move from fantasy to reality. A real common problem that people have that causes, uh, keeps them from moving on is they obsess and fixate on all the good times. Now that makes sense, you just broke up, you didn't really wanna break up, and you're trying to deal with it, but you start thinking about all the good times and all the wonderful experiences you had, and you know, that's just going to keep you locked in. What you really have to do, if you're going to really mourn the loss and move on emotionally, is you've you got to look at the things that were wrong. What were the problems in the relationship? Because the problems in the relationship are the reasons why you broke up. And you have to face those. And you have to accept those. Okay? Um, I'll take a break here if there's any questions so far on any, anything I've uh, said. No? Okay, let's go on. Number three, the third uh, way of moving forward after a breakup is to ask yourself, how do you feel about yourself? Take a, a self-esteem check. Um, again, some questions here that I have uh, listed. Do you, do you f how do you feel about uh, how you handled your part in the relationship? Do you feel ashamed about how you handled your part? Do you blame yourself for why it didn't work? So these, these are questions that deal with how you're feeling about yourself. Uh, you can just feel like, you know, I just totally blew it. I am a total loser. I just, you know, and just beat yourself up and beat yourself up and beat yourself up. Well, again, that may be a little bit, but if you find that you're just doing a lot of self-beating and a, and a lot and feeling a lot of shame about you know, how the mistakes you made and, 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 and how you didn't, how you treated the person and, and, and you really weren't so nice uh, um, some of the time and you just go over and, and beat yourself up, you've got you've to recognize that there's uh, shame there, maybe even, even some self-hating going on. And that's real serious, as we all know. Uh, because if you're going to move into another relationship and you're going to move on, you've got to have good self-esteem. You've got to feel good about yourself. You can't look for another relationship, for another person who's going to like build you up. Uh, if indeed you have a problem with self-esteem, if you have a problem with self-esteem, that's your problem. It's not the responsibility of someone you're dating or someone that you're going to spend your life with 
to take care of your low self-esteem. So part of moving forward is to face how you feel about yourself. And if you're really down on yourself, you've got you to work that through. And if you can't work that through on your own, that to me, as a, as a psychotherapist, I would say that's a sign that you should get some professional help um, because you've, you've got to get to a point where you feel good about yourself because you can't be in a, a healthy relationship with someone else uh, if you don't feel good about yourself. Okay? And ultimately, the goal here um, is to forgive yourself. Yes, you made mistakes. You, you know, you're really, you regret those mistakes. Uh, you feel bad. You feel maybe in some shame about making those mistakes. But in the end, someone who has good self-esteem, someone who really loves himself, can forgive themselves. That's one of the telltale signs of someone with good self-esteem. They can make mistakes, they can blow it, and they can blow it big <laughs> and, and make some, and make some big, big mistakes and, and put out some big hurts on people, but they accept themselves for being human. At the end, end of the day, they acknowledge that they're just human, human beings make mistakes, and they forgive themselves, and they go on, and they don't dwell and obsess and um, stay stuck in, in uh, self-beating, uh, self okay? Very important. So uh, that's step three. So step four, or the fourth way, should we make sure they have any questions or thoughts? Yeah, I'm happy to, again, take a question or a thought, reactions. Maybe wait a few seconds. Till they... Hey, so um, let's say that a person uh, just has bad self-esteem, and let's say that there's nothing you can do about it. Does that mean that that person shouldn't date? I don't know. They had a bad what? Self-esteem. Oh, they, they had bad self-esteem to begin with. Yeah, and let's say, let's say that's a given, and that's not something that's changing. Does that person like? That, in my opinion, they shouldn't be dating. Okay. I mean, I mean, you can date. We'll talk about this a little bit later. Um, you can you you can date for fun, right? If if that's why you're dating and you're you're sort of looking for a girlfriend. I'm talking to a guy here. If you're looking for a girlfriend, um, okay, fine. So you have a girlfriend. You don't have such good self-esteem, but you're really not planning to go with very far. It's not a, it's not a, a relationship that you're serious about meaning you're not really thinking about marriage. So if your self-esteem isn't so great, uh, you know, why not? Um, but if you're serious about getting married, then I would say really deal with the self-esteem because uh, it's just nothing works, nothing works with low self-esteem. Again, low self-esteem is all about having shame. It's all about feeling I'm bad in some way. There's hundreds of ways that we can feel bad about ourselves. And, um, and you really have to face all those specifics and come to terms with them and either make changes or accept yourself. Those are the two options for building self-esteem. Accept who you are or change who you are. Okay? Anyone else? Any questions? questions? Yeah. Uh, what happens or what's your opinion if someone comes into a relationship with self-esteem, but due to reasons outside of the relationship, when you're still with them, they kind of lose their self-esteem and you try to get it back, um, but hard to do in the middle of the relationship? Well, I, I would say, you know, off the cuff, that 
if you lost your self-esteem, then you really didn't have it. <laughs> it wasn't very strong to begin with. People with strong self-esteem don't lose their self-esteem. Now, I, I will qualify that. We're all, we can all be in situations that can really like, really challenge our, 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 our sense of, of value. That's true. But generally speaking, someone who's basically got good, uh, good healthy confidence is, is not going to lose it. Now, again, the, you're, you're raising a question that opens up all sorts of uh, interesting other discussions uh, because maybe the person you're with is triggering something specific. Uh, generally speaking, that person may have good self-esteem, but the person you are dating is triggering something that, a vulnerability, right? And, and, and that's, a, that's like a, a blind spot in, in your self-concept, and it sort of takes you by surprise and, and sort of pulls you down, that can happen too. If that happens, though, you know, I appreciate the way you phrased the question. You say it's hard to get it back. I don't think that's true. Let's say the, the scenario happens that I just described. Someone triggers a, a vulnerability, and, and you sort of like really feel like you're falling apart with this person. What you need to do is face those feelings, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big feeling guy. I'm, I'm totally into listening to our feelings because our feelings are a tremendous information, as I'm going to tell you in a moment. So in that situation, you would want to process those feelings, understand what got triggered, and then you can actually uh, not only regain your self-esteem, but you can build stronger self-esteem because now you've learned something new about yourself, which now you can build on. Well, yeah, thank you for that. I guess I I should frame a little differently, but that was helpful. What if a traumatic event happens to your significant other during the relationship and, and that person is so shooken up, if you can't tell I'm speaking from personal experience, um, but if that person is so like shooken up that they become like a whole different person mentally and then you want to stay and support them, but they're just too much after everything. Right, okay, well, yeah. So, so again, trauma, if someone goes through a traumatic experience and, and they're really sort of falling apart, uh, which is what tra trauma can do to a person, then that's not your responsibility, the person who's dating them, to deal with. Um, it's their responsibility to get professional help because the only way they're gonna get through this is with professional help. If they don't understand that they've been traumatized and they sort of looking to you, their you know their dating partner, and saying, well, no, you 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 should be there for me. You should be there for me. That's a mistake. You can be there. You can be supportive, but you can't heal trauma uh, through your efforts. Trauma requires special attention. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Anything else? Anyone else want to ask any question before we move on to the next thing? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, great. Let's go on. So the fourth, the fourth step in, in, in moving forward after breakup is to, is to don't avoid your feelings. I sort of just started talking about feelings. Face your feelings. Again, my, uh, my approach as a therapist and as a human being, is I believe feelings are your biggest asset in life. Our feelings are information, anger, sadness, guilt, shame, jealousy, loneliness, 
they all are information. When you feel those feelings, they're telling you something. There's a message. I, I, I sort of equate them to like emails, like uh, emotional mail, right? The, you get a, a feeling, you, you, can have a, you have two choices. You can open it and listen to it and learn wh why you're having the feeling, or you can delete it. Uh, people who delete feelings in the long run are big losers. I mean, I don't mean that to be condescending, but they lose because they lost on two levels all the opportunities for learning and growing and getting to know themselves on a much deeper level. And two, when you push your feelings away, they never go away. They just get pushed inside. And of course, most of us are familiar with all of the psychosomatic problems and, and real uh, um, uh, health problems that are the result of just repressed feelings. Um, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, lots of uh, just all sorts of the whole run, high, uh, high blood pressure, uh, heart disease, lower immune system, every, everything goes wrong when we push our feelings away. So, uh, so that's why I have number four on here. When you break up, you can have lots of feelings. Now, I talked about the five types of feelings you can have in, in the morning process. But you, you may have other feelings, too. You may feel guilty, for example. You, you could feel guilty about guilt is, uh, guilt is the feeling we get when we hurt somebody else. That's the feeling. When I hurt you, I feel guilty. Shame is the feeling I get when I, re, when I see myself as bad, when I see myself as defective. That's about me. That's shame. Guilt is when I hurt you. So after a breakup, you could have lots of guilt. You could be thinking about, wow, I, I can't believe I did that to him. I can't believe I did that to him. I played games with him. I neglected him. I can't believe where was my head. What, why did I do that, right? I feel so guilty about it. Now, you could just sit there and stew on the guilt, <laughs> uh, or you could try to numb it or run away from it. Not good options. Or you could process it and, and try to understand, why did I do these things? What was going on with me? Why was I neglectful? Why, why did I choose to, 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 to turn away from, uh, from this person? Um, and learn more. And, and by processing that particular feeling, guilt, you'll learn a lot about yourself. And you'll learn a lot about yourself that you can use in future relationships so you can be a better person and be better in the relationship. So um, you want to process every specific feeling that you have and use it as a learning opportunity. Okay, any questions, comments about that? Anyone? I guess. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> yeah. oh, how do you... Um... How do you learn from these experiences? I don't, it's very vague. Well, I, I uh, okay. Well, I just gave you, I thought was a pretty concrete example um, about feeling guilty. Um, there's other ways you can learn. And we're going to talk about that. That's, uh, that's the uh, next uh, way here. Number five is learn from your experience. But I'm talking about learning from your feelings. Okay. And, and I just gave you an example of having, feeling guilty. That, that would, could be a real common feeling. Um, it's called, maybe I can be more specific about how to process a feeling. There's three steps 
in processing a feeling. And in my opinion, this is the most important life skill that you can have, okay? If you want to be successful in relationships, in life, in business, uh, you want to be an expert in processing your feelings. The three steps of processing a feeling is to name the feeling specifically. A lot of people aren't so good at that. Every feeling has a specific name. Sadness, anger, fear, jealousy, and it's important to be able to name them. Once you name them, then you can begin to work with it. And the second step is to ask, why am I feeling this? And you ask, why am I feeling this in this particular context, with this particular person at this particular time? Okay, so if I'm guilty, you know, because of the way I treated the person I was dating, I have to ask, what was going on with this person that I was, did the, the things I did to hurt them? You know, what was that all about? So you have to understand the meaning of your feeling in its unique context. That's step two. And step three of uh, processing your feeling is now that I understand what this feeling is about, now I can make good choices to grow. How can I use this insight and understanding to become a better person? Um, is that helpful? Is that it's a place to start, so thank you for the response. Uh-huh. Okay. Good. Anything else? Anyone else? Let's see who's here. Okay. We're good. All right. Let's go on. Number five. So, again, the fifth way of, of moving forward after a breakup is to learn. My gosh. If you go, if you go through a breakup... And you just sort of like say, oh, you know, that was the worst experience of my life. It was total hell. I'm so angry. I'm so, I'm so done, you know. I, I, and, of course, you can go, I'm done with her or him. <laughs> you have no choice. I'm done with dating. I'm done with life. <laughs> I can't do this anymore, right? That's, that's a pretty, uh, pretty self-destructive response. Um, every painful experience we go through in life is a, is a potential learning experience. Again, it, it, I think we all recognize this is true. Um, there's a very common piece of wisdom in the world that says you, you don't really learn anything from your successes. You only really learn from your failures. Uh, those of us in business, uh, we're all in business to some degree, we learn the most from our failures, from our painful experiences. So when you have a breakup, Boy, do you want to be able to sit back and do a real thorough inventory? What can I learn from this? So look at the, some questions I have here on the outline is what can you learn from this experience? But one thing that I think is a common part of the learning experience is to get to know yourself better and get to know what you're all about. You know, did I, do I really know myself? Was I just in this for, for what reasons? Why was I in this relationship, right? Another question is, what mistakes did I make? I did, it was all her, blame, 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 blame. Well, don't play the blame game. <laughs> the, the blame game is, 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 a, is a useless and, and, and again, self-destructive response. It was all his fault, all his fault. No, there's two people. There are two people here, and you were one of them. And you have some responsibility for why it didn't work. Um, and you really owe it to yourself to track down your mistakes, 
in the relationship. Uh, another question I have here is how can, how can I be a better person? And what specific changes can I make in myself? And following that uh, on the outline is what character, what character traits do you need to work on? Um, from a Jewish perspective, the absolute most important part of making a relationship work, and if you want to get married and you want to have a successful marriage, it comes down to one thing, two people who are committed to working on refining their character traits. Now, I'm sure the rabbi and the rabbitson have given numerous classes on this, and um, hopefully they're going to give you a lot more, because character is the name of the game. What do I mean by character traits? Patience, kindness, giving, being trustworthy, reliable, dependable, uh, willing to do the right thing even when it's uncomfortable. These are all character traits. Y you want to lo look at your relationship and why it didn't work and try to track down what, relation what, what character traits am I weak in? W what do I need to work on? Um, that would, if you can come away from a, a breakup and get that sort of insight and then make a decision and a commitment that, yeah, I, I've got to, you know, I'm pretty selfish when, if I'm really honest, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be more of a giver. I don't know how to do that, but I'm gonna, I gotta figure out how to be a, a kinder person because that's what kindness is. Kindness is giving. Um, so character, boy. If you, can, if you can come away learning more about your character and, and making decisions to improve it, that would be a big win, a major win for you. Uh, and, and you'll move into your next relationship feeling good about yourself and empowered and really like, you know, the person who dates me next is going to be really lucky because I'm really somebody worth dating because uh, I've got, I got, I got some of the good stuff. Um, and then another part of learning would be to clarify what you're looking for. Okay, this one didn't work out. Think about what you're looking for. Clarify that list. What are you looking for? The values, the character, the temperament, the, 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 the areas that you uh, complement each other on, the, the places that you need help and support in. Who, clarify better the person you're looking for because if you do, you'll spot them much easier. And you don't want to be going out with people that you just know or don't really meet uh, your criteria for what you're looking for. So that's the fifth way here is to learn from your experience. Again, because when you learn from your experience, it empowers you. And then that helps you move forward. You can look forward. You can have joy. Joy is anticipating the next opportunity instead of feeling depressed and, and like, ugh, you know, I'm going nowhere. No, you should come out of a breakup feeling, eventually, feeling that you've really learned some good lessons and you're a better person and you're anticipating an, an, another relationship and going to make, make this one good. Okay, any comments about that? Questions? Okay. Let's go on. Sixth way in uh, moving forward is to make a complete break. 
So when it's really all done and you've done all the other work, you've got to be make sure you make a complete break. So I have here on the outlines, get rid of all memories and reminders. Yeah, I know. You've heard it. You haven't heard this, but you got to do it. <laughs> you know, once upon a time, they used to have like real pictures. Um, you know, you <laughs> I remember. I have some of those. Uh, they're called, what are they called? Uh, photographs. That's right. Photographs. Um, you, know, you know, paper and they're glossy and all that stuff. You know, you got to get rid of all those. Throw them away. Get rid of it. Every memento. Throw it away. Jewelry, give it back or sell it, uh, depending on what the, what the deal is. <laughs> but, <laughs> but get rid of it. And don't visit the pawn shop afterwards <laughs> if you sell it. Um, just one last look. You know, and, and nowadays, there's a real common problem people have. No social media stalking. Yes. No stalking your ex on social media. Be, unfriend them. Get them off. They're not in that world with you. I know it's hard, really hard, because all the people that you're friends with have, are friends with that person. It's not hard, but you got to do your best. You got to do your best. Some, maybe you know, some people take a, a social media uh, you know, um, hiatus, uh, a break for a couple weeks just to, to, to make sure they don't, they don't run into the person. Um, some be, because it's hard to get rid of stuff, again, social media is one thing, but if you have real stuff, um, um, a really uh, a neat sort of thing that uh, some people do is they make a, a breakup ritual out of it. Um, they take all their stuff, they put it in a bag, and like they go to the ocean, and they throw it into the ocean, and they watch the waves wash it away they say goodbye and it's sort of cathartic and 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 i've know people have done it and it's uh it's a good way it's a good way to make that break can we be friends most likely 100 percent, no <laughs> so can we ever can we be friends again i don't know maybe after you're married maybe after <laughs> you know, five years, uh, but it's, you know, I don't think it's great wisdom to try to be friends. I'm not saying it's impossible, to be honest. I, I know people, uh, uh, some people tell me that the, some of their best friends are all, all the people they broke up with. I feel a little bad for that person because they seem to have quite a long list of friends of people <laughs> who they used to date. So we, you know, you don't want to be a serial dater, hopefully, but um, but I, it could it's possible, but generally speaking, uh, you, you don't want to be thinking about becoming friends. Okay? Any uh, questions, thoughts about uh, about this? Hi, uh, I have a question. Yeah. Yes, Jacob. Uh, yeah, how do you, uh, any advice for, uh, I, know, I know getting rid of objects is uh, one, a good thing to do, but what if, what if you have uh, memories associated with locations? You know, you went to a restaurant together, over your apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, uh, Jacob. Okay, I got your name there. Yeah, that's a toughie. What, what do you do with the, the restaurants that you, your favorite restaurant, right? What do you do with your, you know, your favorite music <laughs> that you guys used to dance together? You know, I mean, yeah, that's a killer. I, I don't have an answer for that. You, you try not to listen to the music. You avoid those restaurants for a while uh, and you do your best. Um, because again, you're just trying to take care of yourself, right? 
life is life. The reality is what it is. There's lots of potential memories, concert halls. You're never going to go to those again? No, you are. But I guess the best you can do is take a break. That'd be my best answer. Thanks. Yeah. I, I would say maybe, um, I think taking a break is obviously a good idea, but maybe expanding your life rather than seeing it as a break um, from those old things. If you saw it as, you just kind of reframed it as, I'm going to find new music that I love and I'm going to explore my city more and find new restaurants that I enjoy. Um, that way it doesn't feel like you've lost a bunch. It actually feels like you're gaining so much mm. more in your life. And your life is becoming richer. That, that's, that's a great suggestion. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank so you. I would say the other side of the coin of that is that I think obviously it depends on the context of the breakup and the kind of relationship that you had, but I don't think throwing away stuff is really that necessary. I mean, those gifts were given with, hopefully, but those gifts were given to you with good, honest intentions at the beginning. And those gifts are things that you can still cherish after the relationship. You don't need to go and throw them in the ocean if someone gave those gifts to you as like, you, you know, from the bottom of their heart, just because you want to get over them. I think it's an immature thing to do. Huh? Um, uh, okay, I'm not so sure I'm agree with it being immature, but it, for some people, maybe you're, you're right. Maybe you could hold on to them. The bottom line is you have to be honest with yourself. Generally speaking, people who are struggling to get over somebody have a hard time holding on to objects that were given to them, as you're saying, not only in goodwill, but in love in, in many situations, Okay. And it's, you know, it's, we are human beings. We have, we get triggered by objects and objects trigger memories. Um, it's just a, just sort of common sense. If you feel you, you are somebody who can handle that and can say, listen, you know, I, I have good memories of this person, uh, but I'm, I'm able to go on, well, then good. Okay. So I appreciate your comment because, uh, okay. You know, there's always two sides to everything, you know? So uh, thanks, for, thanks for the alternate uh, option there. Anything, Anything else? else? Yeah. I think we're good. Okay, let's go. So we're on the, yeah. seventh, the seventh way to, uh, to move forward after a breakup is to clarify what you want and where you're going. Now, if you're really ready to move on, you've got to start thinking about the future. Um, and uh, so some of the ideas I have here on the outlines is don't date again until you really are sure you know what you want. You really need to know what you want in a person, what you want in a relationship, and what you want out of life, right? That's so important. To, if you're going to get into a, 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 in my opinion, a long-term serious relationship that has potential for the long term, you've, the more you know yourself you know what you're about, you know your values, you know what your priorities are, you know what your goals are, you know what your beliefs are, and you know yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses. The more you know yourself, the, 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 the stronger position, the, the stronger you are in positioning yourself to find somebody who's gonna match you. People who don't know who they are, right? You can sort of glob onto anybody. 
<laughs> because anybody will do. The more specifically you define yourself, the better chance you have of finding someone who's really meant for you. It's an, it's, it's, it's an, an irony, and, and people have uh, difficulty with this in dating. I tell people, the, the better you define yourself, like I just said, the better chance you have of finding your, your soulmate, the fun, one who's really matched for you. And people, particularly who are becoming more Jewish and more observant, resist this. They say, well, hold it. If I get more religious uh, and I take on things like Shabbos or kosher, uh, I just, my field just narrowed. <laughs> it was pretty big before Shabbos. And now that I'm keeping Shabbos, you know, it just shrunk like 72%. And, 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 and I, you know, I talk to a lot of people, work with a lot of people, and, and people, you know, say I, I was once religious and I decided not to be anymore. I know the other side, too, because I, I couldn't find anybody who, who, would, who fit my, you know, my religious needs. There aren't so many guys or women out there. Uh, I, I, I hear that, too. But the, but the truth is, the way that uh, relationships work on a spiritual level is the more narrowly you define yourself, the better you position yourself to attract the person that's meant for you. We put out energy in the world by making a statement of who we are. When you take a strong stand and define yourself, you will draw those type of people into your life. I know people tell me, oh, well, I tried it, it's not working. You have to talk to the rabbi and the rabbitson to figure out what's not working. Um, but, but that's crucial. So before you go on, to move on, you wanna really know yourself and know what you want. Um, and then ask yourself, another question I have here on my outline is, why were you in this relationship? And what do you want? Do you want a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Or do you want a, a spouse and get married? Obviously, it's really important to know why you're dating. And I maintain uh, that, again, it seems to me fairly common sense. People who, who are, date for marriage are much more focused. People, I, I, I say there's two types of people who date. There are people who want to get married and there are people who say they want to get married, mm -hmm. okay? Um, the people who say they want to get married are the people who say, yeah, uh, marriage is on my list, it's there, and, you know, let's go out, uh, let me see if I fall in love, uh, let me see if the stars align, let, you know, uh, and then uh, maybe, it'll, uh, you know, maybe we'll get married, uh, maybe, you know, uh, that's not a, if you're, if you're a person who wants to get married, Never date a person who says they want to get married because it's two different worlds. Two people who want to get married and date with that in mind are very focused and very efficient in their dating. That's why relationships go on endlessly. It kills me. These relationships to nowhere, right? And then end up nowhere because people haven't decided that they want to get married. Once you make that decision, you're in a different category and your dating is totally different at that point. So that's a huge decision. Know why you're dating. If you're not ready for marriage, that's fine. Date, have fun, do your thing, whatever that is. But if you know you wanna get married, date people who wanna get married. Um, and then ask yourself if marriage is really on your mind, are you ready for marriage? And maybe you're not quite ready. Maybe you have some fears about marriage, really common. My work with people, 
There's a lot of anxiety and fears about marriage, and for good reason. <laughs> you know, marriage in, in today's world is pretty scary. Well, it's scary anyway, regardless of what world you're in, because uh, it's, it's a lifetime commitment, and it is, it is it's scary, and you have to deal with your anxiety and your fears. But, of course, people can bring other fears into the picture based on their uh, experience at home with their parents, uh, siblings, divorce, all that sort of stuff can color your picture of marriage. Important to be aware of all that. Again, speaking as a therapist, really important to know if you have anxiety and fear just about marriage in general and, and, and deal with those. Um, so if you're, if you're really in the marriage mode, figure out what you need to really be ready or be more ready than maybe you were the last time. Uh, another question I have here is, um, are you emotionally ready? Uh, it's, a, it's a statement. Are you, emotion, you are emotionally ready to date when you've gone through the five stages of mourning and feel you're ready to give 100% to another person. You've got to be done. Intellectually and emotionally, you've got to be done. And you've got to feel it. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. You know if you're emotionally ready. Are you 100% ready to give to somebody? Can you move on? And if you're not, you're not. Uh, and, and don't date until you are. And don't use an, a relationship to get you ready. Work it through yourself. That's the uh, last thing on the, on the outline here is watch out for rebound relationships. And, and that also means don't use somebody for you to heal, right? I, I, most of us would never do that. It's not a nice thing to do. <laughs> and usually, and if you're a fairly nice person, and you may not be conscious of it, but once you're in the relationship, you're, you'll, be, you'll, be on, you'll become aware that... I'm not really ready, right? And so maybe you need to date. At least go out once or twice with someone to, to get that confirmation that you're really not ready. Um, and if you're not sure you're ready, most likely the person you're dating will tell you you're not ready. <laughs> As I, I hear uh, uh, over and over, uh, people will tell me, I went out and the, and the person said, I'm sorry, but I can tell you're not emotionally available. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in the end, you've got to be You've got to be uh, healed and, and ready to go on. And, uh, you know, that, that, that does take some work. It certainly takes uh, some good friends and good rabbis and rabbitsons. And thankfully, all of you have that. How long? How long is normal for healing? Yeah, the rabbi is asking how long sh should, is, a, is a normal process. Um, I, I, it's a little always hard to... What, normal is not a word in, in my vocabulary, uh, generally speaking. Because I don't know of any normal. Uh, everybody's an individual. Um, and um, therefore, but what would be a ballpark general uh, idea? I'm not going to avoid the question altogether. Is I would say a month. A, a month should be, you know. After a certain point, when should they call for help? Right. So the rabbi's asking, uh, are they hearing you? No, I don't think so. Okay. So the rabbi's asking at... at, at at what point of time should they maybe reach out and get some professional help? Um, uh, I would I would say a month. You know, if you really if you don't feel you're making progress, right? If you just feel you're just still depressed, still obsessing, still you know thinking about what if, what if you're still in the bargaining, you're still bargaining, you, you know, you're still like in denial. You just can't believe this, and you just sort of not really making progress after a month, then I would definitely get some professional help. 
uh, to certainly speak to your, your rabbi, your rabbitson, but uh, maybe you know, someone like myself uh, might be helpful as, as well. Um, yeah. So, uh, but the key is you, you want to feel you're making progress. If you feel you're making progress after a month, and, and, it's, a, and it's your own unique, it's your individual process, it's your process, so keep going, and uh, it'll, you'll get there. Um, but if, again, somewhere along the line you just get stuck, then, then get some help. Okay, so that's the first part, is the, the, the seven ways of moving forward after a breakup. They're pretty practical, and I'll, I'll take any questions. Um, yeah, we're sort of reached our, our uh, end of our time here. The, the, the second part of the talk is, maybe we'll have to do it another time, is what if you do all these seven things and you're not moving forward and you are just really going nowhere, right? And you don't want to date and you're just depressed and it's, you're just feel like done. There are, and these seven steps don't work. They, they just, just aren't working. So then I have eight reasons what might be going on. Um, and, and this gets into the, the, the deeper psychological stuff, um, that the, 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 the deeper emotional issues that hold people back from being able to uh, move into the future and into a new relationship. But let me uh, hold off on those and take any questions or comments on what I, the major, what I've shared uh, in the seven points. Or, or anything else you want to, you'd like to ask me about dating or relationships, I'm happy to take uh, not uh, particularly related uh, questions. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Any questions you have on your mind, it's your chance. You have a chance to ask an expert, a professional. Um, so feel free to do so. Take advantage. Um, have you noticed any gender differences in terms of how long it takes for um, a guy versus a girl to get over a relationship. I've heard, I don't know where I've heard, if I read it somewhere that um, men initially feel better during the, like at the beginning of a breakup and it hits them a bit later. And then women feel it really intensely at the beginning, but end up getting over the relationship faster. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard, I've, I've heard similar ideas. Um, um, I can't say that I've, know much about about the gender differences um it does resonate what you're saying i'm thinking of a couple guys who were like okay like in the beginning and then just sort of totally fell apart after a couple weeks and were like basket cases <laughs> and and um yeah so uh, and i know and, and yeah it's the, some women i've talked to you know women are um, you know, are, are much more resilient emotionally, and, and they're, they're all around stronger um, human beings. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's that's just the case. That's uh, certainly our Jewish view: um, is that uh, the foundation of, Ju of the Jewish people are the women. Um, the men tend to mess up quite consistently, uh, and the women seem to ground us. So that that would fit a Jewish perspective as well. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Anyone else? Any other questions? 
And I, I apologize, guys. I didn't want to offend you out there. I'm really, I, you know, please don't take it too personally. But but there is a, so, some some important truth there about the uh, quality you, you of women. Nailed it. You you had it right. <laughs> I got it right. Nice. Oh gosh, guys did that. I, hey, you ladies out there, get grab him. He's okay. He gets it. He's good. Go for him. He's, <laughs> he'll appreciate you. Okay, the other guys just aren't ready to face it yet. They'll be yeah. there in a few weeks. I have a question. So we've got. <laughs> yeah, go yeah, ahead. Joseph? Yeah. Uh, I called you Rabbi. I think you said you're Rabbi Dove, right? Yeah, I am Rabbi Dove. Yes. Rabbi Dove. My question is basically it's related, but okay. So the question is what's the therapist's view on can people change? And not, and the question isn't can people. Do you think people can change from one of these steps when you realize when you're, you know, let's say you're, you're in the denial phase or you're in the uh, bargaining phase, not at that point, maybe earlier on in the relationship. When do you know if mm -hmm. someone can change or not? What's the, what's the background from a therapist's view or from a psychology view on that? Well, well, you're, if you're, well, I'm a little, 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 need a little more clarification. You know, the, the stages of mourning are going through particular feelings which if you go if you process through those those stages you'll be changing right meaning you'll be healing and you'll be feeling stronger so that that those are um those stages of of mourning and healing are universal everybody because everybody deals with loss and we're all capable of getting over loss unless we have some significant uh emotional baggage, um, trauma, childhood trauma, stuff like that, that triggers things that makes it hard to heal. I'll, just put that, I'll say, leave it there. I meant, more, I meant more like the, like you thinking your other partner can, like if the other person can. Change. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a classic. So maybe, maybe the, the yeah. rabbi and the Robinson will have me come back and, and do my, my seminar. I'm giving a plug for myself on the 10 reasons why people marry the wrong person. Um, okay, maybe some of you heard it, but um, one of my reasons that people marry the wrong person is um, you expect him or her to change after you're married. Okay, you expect them. Yeah, I call that marrying potential. So there is good potential and there's bad potential. Uh, and you have to be really careful about that and generally don't marry potential. Um, in other words, um, the, the person has um, a short fuse. You know, they just are very reactive, get angry easily, thrown off. Um, and you're saying to yourself, yeah, I'm a calm person. I'll calm him down. I'll, 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 I'll give him love. He'll, he'll, you know, he'll get it together. That's, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad potential. Um, in other words, you don't want to marry him at, at that stage, in that place thinking that your love is going to change him. You don't want to do that. Or, and people in this, it's very common in, in the world we live, you guys live in, in this sort of, you know, discovering Judaism world um, where, you know, someone's a little more religious than somebody else. And one, you, you're keeping Shabbat. And the other person has just sort of started getting a little interested in it. And you're thinking, okay, well, they'll get into it and they'll, they'll I'm into it and they'll get into it. Bad potential. Right, you, you you don't want to do that. Now, 
you can check them out a year from now. Maybe they've really gotten into Shabbos, right? And then date them. Or maybe this guy's really worked on his anger. He's gone to therapy and has really gotten his act together. Good. Now he's changed. But don't expect, don't marry someone looking for changes. The, the rule is you marry someone uh, assuming they will always be the way they are. And if you can't live with them the way they are now, don't marry them. Uh, am I, am I in the, answering your Sort of, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a good way to put it. Thanks. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah. Anyone else? Anything else? Yeah, I have a question for you. Um, so, you're... Hey, what's your name? I get you. This is number three for you. I find out who you are. <laughs> it says right there. Omri. Omri. All right, Omri. Omri. Okay, you're my man. What's going on? So, you said that you're both an LMFT and a rabbi. So, I wanted to ask, which one came first and why did the other... <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting personal now. Okay. So, I'm just uh, no, no, I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's not. It's not that personal. Uh, I was first a rabbi, and um, I was uh, doing the work that the rabbi and the rabbitson are doing uh, full time. And uh, because I have an interest in helping people really grow and change, the rabbi and the rabbitson do too. But I have a particular. Always had a particular interest in psychology. And I, when I was working with people on, on, on a Jewish level and making spiritual changes, uh, I was noticing that people were running into blocks and I didn't know how to deal with them. I didn't know what was going on. And it really bothered me. So I decided I think I, I need more uh, education about understanding psychology and how to work with people. And so I decided to go back to school and get my uh, clinical uh, uh, master's in clinical psychology and got my license. Um, so I still work with people, but in the context of being a therapist, which um, have a lot of, get a lot of pleasure from doing that. Very cool. Thank you. Beautiful. Anyone has any questions before we are ending this session tonight? Yeah, I have a question. Yes. Hey. Chloe? Yeah. Oh, wow. I recognize your voice. That's great. I don't see you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go ahead. So... If you're trying to get over someone, how can you differentiate between missing that person specifically versus just missing being in a relationship? Uh, I would think that you would uh, you'd be specifically having you know memories and thoughts about that person, and you would be wanting to be back with that person, right? As opposed to saying, wow, now that was so good, I'm so sad it didn't work out, and you know, I, you know, I feel so lonely now, and boy, oh boy, I'd love to be in a relationship. So then it's clear that you're looking for a relationship, not that person. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, I just think it's sometimes hard to differentiate and it could like prolong um getting over someone because they're they're kind of like they go hand in hand and someone else could fulfill the needs that you think would only be provided by that person that you were previously with well again if you're being that specific again think about the needs that that person provided um then you're you're right. It, that is a little bit in the middle there. Uh, meaning, 
maybe I'm really not wanting that person back, although I really miss what they brought into my life, okay? So then you'd be looking for a relationship with someone who's going to provide those needs that this other person provided, um, but not, not necessarily that person. I, that's not what, what you're concerned about. You're, you're feeling your needs. So I think that, that's really a good distinction. Yeah. Does that sound Thanks. clear to you? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Anyone else? Um, I think the rabbi is right with that, um, Chloe. It can be kind of difficult when you're in, I don't know if you're in a long-term relationship or not, but I was in a really long-term relationship. So after that, it was kind of difficult to differentiate whether I was missing the person or just the nice treatment that I experienced in the relationship. And slowly after time, I could see that I wasn't missing the person. I just now use that as a gauge basically to know the type of treatment that I deserve. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's, or maybe the type of treatment you don't deserve, right? Like we can kind of learn from that. Either right. we set that as the bar that we only accept that and, and the kindness level that you need or whatever those qualities were, but mm -hmm. maybe just use that as the bar to set for yourself. Great. Good, good insight. Very good insight. Hi, I had a quick question. Sure. Hi. Um, let's say the, the guy that's your ex now, um, is friends with all of your friends. Like you're all in the same friend group. Oh, that's a killer. Isn't it a killer? I think there's no way around it, but yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Move to Idaho. I, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you just cry for a year. Uh, that's, that's, that's the worst. It is. It's just the worst. Right. Obviously you do the best you can to make boundaries where you can, you know, you're going to have to like be a little more careful about where you go and, and you have to maybe do a little checking out. Is he going to be there or, or at least is his best friend going to be there? You know, the people that mm -hmm. are really going to trigger you. Yeah. You have to sort of take care of yourself, try to create boundaries as best you can. It's yeah. A, it's, no answer, obviously. It's just tough. Do the best you can. And, right. and the, the best thing to do is really work uh, hard on moving forward, okay? And, yes. And, and, and don't worry about him and all, and all the memories uh, or her, whatever the case is. Just, you know, start, start you know, taking care of yourself and, and uh, move forward to your next uh, relationship. Thank you so much. Yeah, sure. Thank you. That's great. Anyone else would like to share anything or ask any question? Okay. All right. I think we are so, uh, good for tonight. Yeah, I have a question. I have a question. Oh, awesome. Okay, so Danny's right there. So uh, there you go. Not just from what you've said tonight, but in general, psychologically, um, or from you know, stuff that I've heard, there seems to be an apparent contradiction between uh, making sure you kind of face your grief after a breakup and processing it and not avoiding it, but then also avoiding it and, you know, not getting reminded of your ex, um, right? Like unfollowing them on social, 
um, all, all those things you've discussed. But obviously, you don't want to avoid it for too long. Um, so I'm wondering how you reconcile those two things. Like how much of each do you need and when and well, you're 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 trying to you know forget about your your older the person you broke up with, and that re requires creating boundaries, social media, and all the things we talked about. But you're saying, you know, how long should you be working? Like I don't know. That was just a suggestion. Like, is it about how much time you? Uh, is it like you take a break for a certain time and then face your uh, and then face the grief? No, no, no. You got to face the grief as the first uh, first item on the list. Right away. Yeah, that's. It, it, I mean, again, I, I, we're talking about where it was a really meaningful relationship, and it, you know, and it really it, it hurts. And usually, when you have a loss, that's meaningful. You need to grieve it. You need to to mm -hmm. work it through. If you didn't care that much, <laughs> it was, you know, sort of a superficial relationship, and you really didn't get very deep with each other and all that stuff then there's not a lot of grief there, right? It's a problem with people who die, die, who we don't have very, you know, close relationships with. It's not that painful, you know, but it's extremely painful with the people that we, we love dearly. So right. it's, it's, it's all relative. It's relative to the, the depth of the, and quality of the relationship. But you have to do, if there's grieving to be done, Get into it. Don't don't avoid it. And then block them on everything. <laughs> oh, no. Block them and no, together. They're, they're not like in, I know I have them in steps here. No, <laughs> all, all, do everything all at once. <laughs> Go through do all seven avoid at once. them and don't at the same time. <laughs> yeah. This is really difficult to grab. I think it's block, also a balance. Block like them. If, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, like I was going to say, like, you know, if you're feeling like you just, you can't focus on anything and you just sit there like in your grievance and think about it and just like be sad and upset and hurt about it, then do that. But if you're having a moment where you can hang out with friends and you're still kind of sad, but you can still enjoy your time with friends, like to an extent, then like take advantage of that every opportunity you have, but also don't like, if you need to sit there and grieve, then don't avoid that at all costs, like accept it and feel it and process it yeah. and then let it go when it's ready to go in the moments and then move on with your life and be distracted and do other things. And then when it comes back then feel it again and just keep repeating that process until the grieving becomes less and the regularity of your life becomes more. Beautiful. Well put. Well put. Yeah. I mean, you know, just be yourself, be honest with yourself you know, be aware of where you're at, you know, so you, you'll have one day and you're just like, totally can't deal with anything. And the next day you'll be fine. You'll go out with friends, you'll have a drink, whatever you'll, you'll feel better, but don't expect everything to be like all done quickly. Just that's why you got to listen to your feelings because your feelings tell you where you're at. They are our quality control, uh, uh, mechanisms. So, uh, just, Stay tuned into your feelings, and they'll tell you exactly where you're at. Okay? Thank you. Anything else? Hey. Anyone else? Okay. It looks like we are um, 
we're good for tonight. This has been amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Rabbi. My, my for, pleasure. Can I just can I throw in one more thing? I am uh, I I love to uh, offer people a complimentary uh, session. Uh, so feel free if there's anything you want to talk to me about, uh, just uh, send me an email. Um, uh, it's dove at claritytalk.com. Just Google me, you'll find me. And um, we'll uh, okay, they'll, they'll send you my contact. All right, so again, if you'd like to get together, uh, feel free. I'm sort of transitioning back into my office, doing most of my work still remotely. But uh, anyway, uh, if you're interested, just uh, get in touch. Thank you. Thank you so, so much again for your time. 